failing cultural relevance of fashion, how the industry can regain its stature, and Eugene's backhanded compliment to the Scandinavian fashion industry. My name is Conrad Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with our Editor-at-Large and our man on the ground in Antwerp, Mr. Oliver Dahle. How are you, Oliver? Thank you very much, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So we're back uh, with another report from Antwerp. So we left off uh, last year uh, with a conversation with representatives from uh, McKinsey & Co. and the the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Uh, This conversation has another, let's say, uh, flavor to it. Eugene is much less polite. He's really, I would say, a thought leader in the fashion industry. I really enjoy following his work, his writings. Uh, I, you know, working in the industry, you just enjoy someone who can be out, who can be outspoken like like he can. So, talk about, uh, you know, your view of of Eugene and and how you have followed his work the past few years. Yes, exactly. I can just totally agree with you. Uh, it's uh, He's been in the industry for about 20 years, and he has made himself famous for being a very opinionated person. Um, in the last year, especially in his uh, newsletter, in which he writes very... Uh, opinionated... Uh, views on fashion in general like what is wrong with this crooked system that uh, contributes to a lot of problems and how um, they are taking shape Um, so he gives a very uh, good perspective on what fashion is today and how we could look at it in another way, which we might not always get from other uh, platforms in which fashion is being more celebrated. Mm. So uh, anyone who wants to know more about the event, we covered that quite a lot in our in our last episode from, from Antwerp. Just, just scroll down in your podcast feed and, and get into that. But... Talk a little bit about uh, Eugene's role at uh, uh, the the the, uh, the fashion talks event, and why why was he there, and what was his purpose? Um, he has been going to the fashion talks for a couple of times, and he comes there in his role as a fashion journalist. He has been uh, interviewing different designers on stage and this year he came to interview uh, two 
very famous Belgian designer Stephanie Degier and Meryl uh, Rogg. And so that was his main uh, role at the event. When I got the opportunity or catched him to maybe talk more about fashion in general and like to actually uh, pick his brain a little bit more about what he thinks is happening. And um, just before the event, uh, I came across uh, his newsletter in which he um, uh, described how the Scandinavian fashion industry is maybe uh, best in class in actually conveying very not poorly produced goods but not the best quality mm. goods in a very luxurious um, packaging which I think is very interesting to hear more about so we get to hear uh, from him what he actually means by that I certainly look forward to, to hearing it and, and sharing that conversation. Uh, but I, I, I'd be remiss to ask you, Oliver, what's your take on it? Uh, are you as, uh, let's say, pessimistic or, or as harsh about the industry as Eugene? Uh, does he have a point? Uh, you've been uh, you know, pondering this now for a few weeks after having met him. Yes and no. And I think maybe if you look at the bigger picture, we have a bigger societal shift in which the things we consume is more connected to what we want to show from ourselves. So the role fashion had in which Eugene is referring to, like in the 80s or in the 90s, played a very different role in what is doing today and it's being a very much or a much more globalized um, culture in which we could partake in fashion but obviously also he um, touches upon the uh, conglomeratization of fashion and how it's just several companies that basically controls the market which then affects the cultural aspects of it there is a lot of points he has uh, on that so yes and no all right i think people are dying to hear uh, this conversation now uh, so let's just jump into it here now oliver dale in conversation with Eugene Rabkin. We're here for the fashion talks to talk about what is happening within the fashion industry and the burning topics. And you as a fashion critic, fashion lecturer, what are your thoughts about what is happening currently in the fashion industry? Well, my biggest concern is the corporate takeover of the industry mm. uh, with the likes of LVMH and Caring really cornering that market and 
dictating to people what fashion is. Mm -hmm. And I think what they're pushing in their message in the, and then the, well, the message comes by the clothes and the relationships that are built around the clothes. And I think it's just very mediocre. Mm -hmm. And I think that leads to erosion of standards overall and the kind of the flip side of it is the acceptance of the general public what fashion is, mm -hmm. of what fashion should be, and it's a very banal, mediocre view on what fashion should be. And I'm talking about in aesthetic terms, mm -hmm. talking about quality of the garments, and I'm talking about sort of the overall vision of what fashion should be you mm. know a t-shirt with a balenciaga logo is not fashion yeah it's just a t-shirt with a logo uh, we've seen so much of it and i think i view fashion as a creative industry and i see less and less creativity in and i see less and less design i see a lot of marketing i see a lot of sort of celebrity fashion industrial complex, but I don't see a lot of conversation about design. Even fashion magazines don't write about design anymore. Mm -hmm. They write about, oh, this celebrity is wearing this, this influencer is wearing this, this company made so much money, etc. But no one really writes about design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Yes. But that's interesting, like how it's so much more about marketing, being visible, like, what role do you think fashion plays today, like in our society? Does it have a role to play still? Besides an economic role, I don't... Uh, yeah, I think it plays a huge role because I think more people pay attention to fashion than ever. Mm -hmm. And... But I think... So there is an economic role and there's... A, there is an aspirational component to it. What I see the role fashion plays today, the biggest role is probably what Thurston LeBlanc wrote about. Conspicuous consumption, aspirational consumption, display of status. That's very important for people today. Uh, understandably, I think we live in a world where a lot of people have recently come out of poverty, joined the middle class, or on the way there, and they want to signal that they are on the way. They want to signal their status through clothing. And that's why I think, but I, that's, I think, one of the reasons the fashion industry has been so successful in the past 20 years, and it's been incredibly successful. But as a cultural discipline, I think it's that. Mm. You know, they, I don't see what cultural role fashion plays in aesthetic terms in carrying the conversation forward. It plays a huge role in status symbol, displaying status symbol. You can say that's culture too, mm -hmm. but I don't see what it, role it plays in terms of sort of, let's say, art for art's sake, because mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of innovation. Mm -hmm. But like today fashion contributes to like one of our biggest problems in the world basically like the environmental issue yeah yeah how 
how do you think this could be solved? Like, what do you see as the main issues connected to this? Yeah. There is only one solution, and it's for people to buy less and to buy better clothes mm -hmm. and to buy more expensive clothes. I hate to say it, mm -hmm. but really to buy quality clothes, mm -hmm. expensive or not expensive. Usually quality clothes come with an expense. That is the biggest problem, and that is the only real Everything else is bullshit. Sustainability conversations are utter bullshit. Conversations about we have a sustainable brand, that's bullshit. We use recycled materials, that's bullshit. Recycled polyester is still polyester. And <clears throat> I've never seen, and I'm like, if everyone talks about sustainability, how come I see more polyester today than I've ever seen in my life? Across the board, luxury and non-luxury, fast fashion. I've never seen so much polyester in my life. Mm -hmm. This whole talk of sustainability has just become another marketing tool. The only solution is to buy less. Mm -hmm. That's it. There is no other solution. Buy less, buy quality, hold on to your stuff longer, repair it, learn how to take care of it, take it to dry cleaners, care. Like at the end, the bottom line is care. Mm -hmm. We have to care for material things that are serving us. We have to serve them in turn. Mm -hmm. There is nothing frivolous. We see it's like having attachment to material things as frivolous mm -hmm. and unserious and also almost embarrassing. And it's an absolutely ridiculous point of view. Mm -hmm. We should care about things we own. We should have an emotional relationship with the things we own because they take care of us. And they, in turn, provide meaning for us. So why shouldn't we have a relationship with the clothes? That's why I wrote, you know, I wrote a polemic against the rental industry mm -hmm. some years ago. And I argued that how are you supposed to develop a relationship if you net, if you, if even we're questioning the mere fact of ownership mm -hmm. and the biggest claims these rental companies were making that they're sustainable and they also comparing themselves to fast fashion. And I was like, well, this is bullshit. Like, what if you buy quality clothes? Mm -hmm. Why are you only comparing yourself to fast fashion companies? So yeah, the only solution is to buy less. There is no other solution. Yeah. Fast. If we change your buying habits today, if fast fashion went away today, mm -hmm. this would solve half of climate crisis, probably, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so that's my view. Everything else, I don't buy into these notions of sustainability for a minute. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. Yeah. You know? But you could see now that there are some things happening, like fast fashion being more and more regulated. And... I think there was a report very recently that came out that um, suggested that to ban fast fashion advertising. Um, I think it was in France. So you could like see how. I suggested <clears throat> this very thing a couple of weeks ago when I wrote an article, mm -hmm. an opinion piece that fast fashion should be regulated like big tobacco, mm -hmm. like big tobacco was regulated. How, <clears throat> excuse me, automotive industry is being regulated because these are real concerns. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are first steps. At the same time, 
we just learned that Sheen is about to file for an IPO. Mm. And they're valued at $66 billion. Ten years ago, no one heard of Sheen. Mm. You know, to me, this is an incredibly alarming thing. Mm. But do you think we will be able to enjoy fashion again in like the same extent as it's historical? Or will it just be connected to this bad consumerism? I don't know. You know, let's say if we talk about the golden era of fashion, which people, it means different things. Mm-hmm. With someone older, it's the 80s, with someone younger. To me, it's the 90s. But the audience for fashion was never that big. Well, there are people who enjoy fashion and derive a meaning from it, always. How many of them? I don't know. Maybe there was never that many of them to begin with. Yeah. And I do think that there are many more people that pay attention to fashion today than before, but at the same time, are they real enthusiasts? Like, will they really go down like the rabbit hole? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. There are some, but there are no statistics on it. So, like, I really couldn't say. I meet young people who are super interested in fashion. There's just not, not that many of them. But I also meet a lot of young people who say they're interested in fashion, but they're really interested in shopping. <laughs> yeah, I guess that goes very much hand in hand. But I saw on your Instagram, like, a couple of weeks ago, that you posted regarding a Scandinavian brand and you wrote a caption that was something like Scandinavian brands are the most, are the best brands to luxury label cheap goods. Yeah. Is that correct? Could you develop a little bit about that? Yeah. Because I uh, thought, thought it was very funny. Sure. Of course I was being a little glib. But I, but I do think there is something, and by Scandinavia, I only mean Sweden and Denmark. Mm. You know, I don't. There's nothing really coming out of Norway. <laughs> well, yeah, and we know, you know, Finland is technically not Scandinavian, which is funny. No one knows this for some reason. Yeah. Okay, so putting all that aside, I do think you know, Swedes especially, but Danes as well, you're quite adept at creating things that. You know, if you look at them closely, if you pay real attention, real attention, it's not really in terms of quality and design. It's far from being a pinnacle. It's it's far from what I would call designer fashion. Mm -hmm. But they're really fantastic at marketing the whole thing. And people really buy into it. And I think part of it is this mythology of Scandinavian design that's been built in the Western world um, that gives rise to brands like Totem. You know, I, I, I went to Totem store, like my wife dragged me because <clears throat> there was a buzz around it. There is a buzz around it. And I looked at the clothes and well, we both looked at the clothes and we were like, you know, this is a step above cause in terms of quality. It's incredible that they're charging these prices and people buying into this stuff. 
like, okay, yeah, it's half the price of the row. But I'm like, this is smoke and mirrors. Like, it's incredible. And I think Acne is the model here, mm. you know, because Acne really <laughs> does a fantastic job at, like, producing, like, it's decent. It's not bad. Mm. But the prices they're charging and the way they've positioned themselves, people look at it as a designer brand, and it's not. It's, it's a very well-merchandised brand. But the quality is, like, it's fine. It's not that quality, but it's not great quality. And yeah, Totem is just like the latest chapter of this whole thing. You know, Ghani is another one where you go in yeah. and you're like... I think you could mention quite a lot of brands here. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, it's not exactly Zara. You know, it's definitely better, but it's not that far from cost. And I do think that part of it is this like mythology of Scandinavian style, Scandinavian design, which is like, you know, clean, light, uh... With this mid-century kind of minimal feeling that they're very good at they're very good at pushing them they're very good at selling that um, so that's why i was like i just want to address this because i think like why why not like, yeah we should talk. i think you said that you were going to write a piece about it sometime i did it's part of my newsletter it is yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so i mean the post on instagram was yeah oh okay so yeah that's then it ended up being, I wrote it in my newsletter. So, but you have to sign up on Patreon to read it. <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I did people write. to do that then. Yeah. yeah. People can read it. Yeah. I talked about, I talked about Totem, I talked about Ghani, and I talked about how Aki set the blueprint of this. Hey. Can I take this rough sea moment? Please, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I will replace for the number. No, 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 oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, sorry. Let's look at Totem, right? Yeah. One is an influencer. Another one is a model. Mm. Helps to be very good looking. You know, it's people respond to that. Lunch and brand, that's what? Where's the design? It's very well photographed, it's very well styled, but we can very see very clearly who they're going after. You know, it's half the price of the road. Mm -hmm. That's your built-in client base right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Brands like Frame as well. Frame, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're so... I mean, you guys are so good at this, like, in, like, in many industries. Like, look at this brand that skincare from that came mm. out of Copenhagen, like came out of nowhere and now that like, people are loving it and and it's cool like it's good stuff but i'm like why would i buy this over isa i mean we can clearly see yeah same <laughs> with what what is they what are they called lila bruket la bruket yeah you heard about it uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I probably just offended a bunch of people in Scandinavia. Sorry, but yeah, no, but I guess what you mean. It's like you ever go to there's not much going on in Sweden right now, but like Copenhagen Fashion Week. I've been once, yeah. uh, and again, I was like, Underwear. you guys do a great marketing job. I have to give like the marketing is amazing because people are like, oh, Copenhagen Fashion Week. So I was like, mm -hmm. I went once and was like, uh, same. 
Yo, when I went to Stockholm for the first time, and I haven't been since, so I don't know if things have changed from speaking to my Swedish friends they have. Mm. But I've never seen such a uniformity of style. Like on the street? On or... the street. It was almost scary. I that was like... It's, it's crazy. I was like... Kind of like... Yeah, it, it was almost... <laughs> Basically like that over whole Sweden. Like, but in Stockholm specifically. Like, they're having these boots with these black trousers. Yeah. And this. So, is... do, do you think this conformity comes from the sort of the socialist leanings of the country? No one's supposed to stand out. Everyone's. In the beginning, yes. I don't think there's something socialist about it right now because now the things people are buying is very expensive. And it's like, oh, you're going to buy that acne hat for like $200 or whatever it is. Yeah. Which everyone has. But like, like in the beginning, I think it is about like the conformity and yeah, yeah, yeah. not standing yeah. up. It was so fascinating to me. I was like, because also like, you know, Stockholm, I know now there is much more immigration, mm -hmm. but also like it was quite uniform in the way people look aesthetically. Mm -hmm. And then also dressing the same. And I was like, this is weird. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's still very much is like that. It's still, it's still it's like when you're there. And like in it, you don't really think about it that much. But then if you travel to like I don't know, Paris, Milan, you see like, shit, there is still some yeah, culture yeah, that yeah. exists. Guys especially, the guys especially was like, you all look the same. This is crazy. <laughs> All right, that was Oliver Dahle in conversation with Eugene Rapkin at the Fashion Talks event in Antwerp late last year. This has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olsson, and my dear colleague, Oliver Dahle. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter not to miss out on any upcoming content and events we have planned for this spring there's a bunch of uh, things happening in the pipeline uh, visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter not to miss out on that oliver uh, thank you so much for this time until next time goodbye bye